0: Right now, now this is Kurnveer Mundred, the Chief Ideation Officer at Atharva Marcom, and you're listening to the future of branded content marketing and PR, co powered by the Branded Content Marketing Association. So, hi, Sam, and uh, welcome to the show. This is the Branded Content Marketing Association's podcast, the, the Future of Branded Content Marketing and PR. And you are the guru of, uh, of data and storytelling and, uh, and psychology all, all combined in one. So it's, it's really a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. You're also the author of one of, one of the uh, very interesting and unusual books on storytelling with data. So tell us a little bit about how you, how you got here from the there I know your story is. Quite in, like interesting with with almost every field of study uh, covered and almost every course possibly done from psychology to statistics, uh, so A to Z of uh, of courses. Uh, so tell us about your entire journey.
1: Well, I'm I, I'm humbled and I'm delighted to be with you and I'm delighted to talk to you about this. So I started life um, as a storyteller. Um, I had initial passion at school and then at university first time round for the classics, for Latin and Greek and Sanskrit, indeed. Um, in Indeed, Sanskrit my, as well. Well, so in so I'll, I'll I'll come back to that. But I did study some Sanskrit, and the reason I studied Sanskrit is because we were looking in my first degree, the end of my first degree, to find the Proto Indo-European language that led to Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit. You know, the words in the word in Latin and Greek for brother is frater, in wow. Sanskrit it's prata. Um, so actually, there is this original language. So. That was that was the most are ma- uh, going we, to be
0: very uh, people in India are going to be very happy with you. <laughs> I'm delighted yeah. to hear it. You just touched a lot of hearts. So <laughs>
1: That was like, you know, that wasn't pre-planned. I promise you. So, um, but I when I was uh, at, at school, I was at a, a state grammar school in in the English countryside. Um, I was. I would say badly taught or I wasn't very good at mathematics. Um, I did have a facility with language, so I then, at the end of my school career, studied Latin, Greek and ancient history. I then went and studied um, classics and, as I say, really fell in love with story storytelling story structure you know aristotle's very thin very readable particularly in translation uh, book the poetics that looked at the three forms of entertainment there were in the classical greek the poetry. poetics the poetics oh. very thin very small very readable in translation um quite readable in greek if you mm-hmm. read Greek. Um, but he talked about uh, tragedy comedy and epic poetry and he talks a lot about the the need to have a structure the need to have well two sets of three one is a beginning a middle and an end um What he calls the thesis the antithesis and the synthesis and indeed that structure still underlines Hollywood and Bollywood movies to this day He also talked about the need in story for there to be three elements Uh, One is pathos, which is emotion. One is logos, which is reasoning and the other is ethos, which is which is ethics effectively And I think that those three elements are crucial particularly pathos and logos in effective storytelling not just for the creative arts Um, and box sets and Netflix and the rest of it. But actually, they're essential for corporate and brand storytelling as well. Because as creatures, we navigate the world using story and story structure. We don't think we're going to be Tony Soprano or Jon Snow or Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader. But actually, there's an amazing amount that we learn through literature about how to navigate, how to be a person, how to be an So, I I left university with a degree in classics. Um, I'd been my school and college newsletter editor, so I'd always written, I'd always enjoyed story. And I went into communications, uh, corporate, and then brand communications. Worked in agencies, worked for Unilever brands, uh, worked for all sorts of different corporations. And just coming up to the millennium, I experienced what I think is known as premillennial tension um, and I went to go and see a vocational psychologist and we did a battery of psychometric tests. And she said, you're very interested in psychology. I recommend you, I mean, it took a couple of days, but I'm giving you this in in, in a nutshell. She said, I think you, you're interested in psychology. I think you should possibly study this more, maybe become an occupational psychologist, maybe forensic, but I think this is something for you. So I looked into it, and I discovered that having a degree already, um, I was then a- able to get onto a master's course. I found a master's course. I quit work. I moved into the, into the countryside in the south of England, um, and the first two hours remember I was badly taught mathematics at school the first two hours of my studying life was a statistics
0: lecture right? and you expected to study psychology
1: well I thought you know I did the first I sat the first year exams in you know, order to get on, onto this course I thought it was going to be um, sort of Dawkins, Aristotle, Plato. Dawkins and Pinker I didn't know what it was I I hadn't really thought it through um, but I had thrown my life up into the air but I realized at the end of that Two hours. I had brilliant statistics lecturers, really good. One of whom was interested in the psychology of driving, one of whom was interested in the psychology of phobias, and they used real examples to bring just boring, dry statistical tests to life. And I quickly concluded, um, and then massively overcompensated uh, and became a statistics teacher for many, many years. Wow. Um, I massively. Over- I quickly decided, or discovered for me, that statistics, the use of simple correlations to understand relationships, cause and effect sometimes, or sometimes just correlation relationships, but to determine relationships, to tease out factors, was just another language, it was just another way of using or, or creating stories out of numbers. So I went back into consultancy, I became a father, I needed to provide for my family, went back into consultancy. Um, and suddenly 2004, 5, 6, Twitter, Facebook come about, data enters communications. Now having been a PR man for 25 years I can, with some justification, say that a lot of people who work in PR in the Anglo-American market, which is the market I know best, are rank amateurs. They have no professional qualifications, they have degrees in classics, but they don't have professional qualifications and they certainly are not often very numerate. They like story, they're quite an empathetic bunch often, but they're not very numerate, they don't like a scientific paper. I loved them, I love them up. So everyone gave that and I became um, in an agency uh, that was doing a lot of global work uh, with Unilever, with Hindustan Lever as well, um, was doing a lot of work around behavioural change. So I helped to build models of behaviour change that used the principles of behavioural psychology to give people the information, the motivation and the behavioural skills they need to change their behavior not just about telling people but encouraging them you know showing them if you're a newly urbanized person who's been from generations of rural why is it that your children should wash their hands at key meal times because they won't get sick as often because they'll do well at school and they'll go on to have the life that you so that it was those type of campaigns doing a lot of work with life boy and you leave it all anyway i then worked in a number of analytics businesses and just under six years ago i decided I wanted to be self-determining. There's an American writer, Dan Pink, written a number of books, spoken where we are today in the Royal Society of Arts in London, um, uh, spoken here a number of times. He uh, wrote a, he's written a number of books, particularly one that talks about about uh, uh, called Drive, about human motivation and behaviour. That talks about the imp- uh, talks about the autonomy, the mastery, and the purpose. How that those are his that's his trifecta for having a great quality of work life. And I suddenly this meant a lot to me. I'm going to become a data storyteller. Hey, data storyteller built some clients very quickly. As always happens when you know you set up, a, you know you work with a former client there, you work with a former colleague there. Somebody else moves, and built. You know, people said, well, you know, if you've been in business for a year, you'll be doing fine. So I said, I'm still here, and then they said, no, three years, mm-hmm. I'm still here, five, mm-hmm. and I'm still here. Um, indeed, into the sixth year now, um, and um, a lot of businesses don't realize. I think particularly B 2 B businesses don 't realize that they need to talk and talk human and sound like people they believe that if they can particularly in this world of big data if they use a lot of information they can browbeat their customers or their competitors in submission. I argue quite the contrary, and I work with my clients to help them to, t- to, t- to tell and to build fundamentally human stories that are underpinned by data you know i don 't believe in all of the post truth um, uh, fake news world. We don't need data. I think we need data more than ever. But it's not about leading with data. It's about using data to support the stories. You know, the psychologist Daniel Kahneman, in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, talks about system one, system two thinking. We make our decisions emotionally, and we justify those decisions and, and make them real uh, rationally. So for me, I want to help my clients tell human stories about the benefits of working together in partnership or using this product, but the human stories, and then underpin those fundamentally with um, rational facts, but not too many. It's fundamentally about empathy and understanding how your audience is going to receive that message. Well.
0: Branded content marketing is predicted to be at the heart of every marketing strategy and there is growing evidence that there will be a significant shift in budgets to support it. However, there is still confusion as how to do it, who should do it and how it is measured. This podcast brings to you the knowledge, the skills and the secrets you need to take to take you to the absolute cutting edge of branded content. This podcast is in partnership with the BCMA. The BCMA is the global industry body for branded content practitioners, run by practitioners, promoting best practice, sharing knowledge and growing the branded content industry. To know more, go to the BCMA. Go to www.thebcma.info. So tell us a little bit about your book uh, you know this amazing book that that is so unique after all I mean I've I've uh, read Maybe twenty books on storytelling, but but haven't but but most of the books are around the same, uh, the hero and and you know the, uh, the 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 guide and and the 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 the, the whole the the standard structure of story. Uh, so um, there, there's hardly any book talking about data and storytelling. So tell me about this book and uh, so because I've got this, you're very kind about the book. I mean I mean I, I wanted I, I wanted to
1: share some principles that I've stumbled across. You know I have this chaotic on one level resume cv you know i uh, do a degree here i work for 12 years i do two more degrees there i pivot over there i create it's on one level it's completely chaotic but for me now you know as a storyteller i look back and i can tell you that it's it's all it's all been planned um there are lots of books and podcasts and advice about story and story structure, so um, there's a Hollywood screenwriter, script doctor who I've been trained by, Robert McKee, who's an amazing writer, does it fantastic, really, you know, on his training course you spend eleven and a half hours watching Casablanca to see every single move and every bit of emotion. Great work on story. Um, there are lots of books that will take, you know, the principles of story from Aristotle I was talking about before, that will take the principles uh, from Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey, The Twelve Steps That You mm. Go Around. Absolutely. But there are also more modern books on story that are very good, but they say, excuse me, they say, we've had enough of data. Data is getting in the way. Let's get rid of data. Let's get back to story. And then you look on the analytics side, and the analytics side there is how to code in R and Python and Java.
0: In fact, there's, a, there's, a, there's an entire podcast which says shut the PowerPoint, close the uh, laptop, and tell a story. So, yeah, 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 so, yeah. so it indicates that you, you know, cut the data out and you know, go more human and forget the data. I completely agree that, that, that particularly
1: corporations, particularly B2B, need to go more human but I, do, I profoundly disagree that data and statistics am, are not the root of providing the evidence that we need to create and, and build sustainable stories. Um, so there are, there are lots of books on data visualization. There are lots of courses on data visualization and how to use data and present data in a, in a more understandable way. But I, sort of, I couldn't quite believe, I mean, as I say, I have this unusual academic career stretching over a long time, very academic family, that's why I had to do it. You know, I had nephews and nieces who were younger than me who were called doctors, so I had that itch to scratch. Um, but for me, it's entirely logical. As I say, when I had that, that penny-dropping moment, and I understood that by correlating variables and putting them into models, you could actually find something out that was objectively hidden. true, and hidden, absolutely, absolutely. Um, of course, there are lots of pitfalls, you know, you take lots of data sets, you put them all together in a statistical model, you get false positives. Yeah. You know, you, you want to uh, uh, be, watch out for that. Mm. There's a fantastic um, both book and website called spuriouscorrelations.com. There's this um, uh, Harvard Law student called Tyler vegan um, He's been studying Harvard Law for 15 years what he does is he goes and gets all of the publicly available data sets and he correlates the number of people who've died getting tangled in sheets with cheese consumption or the divorce rate in Maine with butter and margarine or sociology doctorates awarded in Nicolas Cage movies. It's nonsense. It's all nonsense. There are 30,000 correlations he's put together using public data sets. So, but, but I really think, I really thought that there was a niche to get people to understand how they could use data and statistics and say is this underpinning this structure um, this authority behind human storytelling and fundamentally i mean the message of the book and the message of i run a lot of training um, uh, but the fundamental message is it's perfectly possible you don't have to be a stats or a mathematical genius but it's perfectly possible um, to to use data and statistics to to underpin your stories and to create more powerful more purposeful more effective um, stories I mean I argue that that you know the reductionist the scientist in me thinks there's a there's a simple um, equation of the modern knowledge economy which is analytics plus storytelling equals influence there's no point there's absolutely no point in doing any form of communication I don't believe in um, if you're not trying to move people to action. Again, Dan Pink, the guy I was talking about in his book, um, To Sell is Human, he says we're all in the moving business. He doesn't mean we all work in removals companies. We're all persuaders, whether we're a doctor who wants her her patients to take drugs, whether we're a teacher who wants her patients to do homework because they'll get better exam results. For all of those reasons, we're all in the moving
0: persuading business. We need emotional stories, but they've got to be rooted. Or in truth. a man with his girlfriend trying to trying to entice her to uh, to marry her. Absolutely. <laughs> so there's the emotional
1: future of the happiness, and we'll be happy together. We'll have children together. We'll do all the things you want to do, and I'll be able to provide for you. You know, there you know there 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 are this many dollars or pounds or rupees that we're going to see us through. So it's the rational and the emotional. It's the balance. You know, it's too pretentious to talk about it being yin and yang. But I think that the powerful stories today particularly in corporates and brands and they can be in very abstract areas you know they can be in tiny uh, you know kind of gene therapy uh, which may well revolutionize all cancer therapy uh, which is an amazingly profound story but, but if you focus just on the science or you focus just on the bottom line or you focus just on the data and you don't talk about the potential for humanity that this can unleash you're missing a trick so that's that's the book and I mean yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge I mean I've mentioned Dan Pink and various other people I'm a huge fan of the book what I wanted to do was to take a message and to share it more broadly and you know the fact that we're sitting on these steps here having this conversation is testament to that
0: now so tell us a little bit about uh, you know uh, some learnings from the book I'm sure people sh- uh, need to buy that book to get the you, it, it couldn't be contained in 20 minutes of a, of a podcast uh, but uh, a 2 minute 3 minute uh, you know uh, what what how how could people use data correctly so um, I mean, I think there are many ways that they that they
1: can do it. I mean, I've got six golden rules. I won't give you all six. That'll give. Okay, you... give us two. Okay, two golden rules. So, I mean, I've given you some already. I've talked about talking human, and that's uh, and, and that's very, that's very important. But finding and using relevant data. So, finding and using relevant data can be very hard in a big data world where there are so many potential data sources. Ha- t- t- training yourself and learning what is going to be relevant, and what uh, and what isn't, what you need to put together, what you don't. That's you know that that that's I think a real skill um, uh, talking human so talking human realizing that if you don't talk in a human way you're not going to be able to convince other to convince other humans to to, to take action um, the curse of knowledge okay so the harvard psychologist harvard professor of psychology steve pinker written lots of books about language and language acquisition he's kind of he was mit with chomsky he was the kind of the heir apparent for chomsky until he was taken by harvard um, great public intellectual, done a lot of stuff about violence in society, now going into a different direction. He's written a beautiful, quite a fat book called The Sense of Style. And in The Sense of Style he talks a lot about this thing, the curse of knowledge. So I think one of the things for communicators in agencies and also uh, in-house, one of the the things they need to realize, this is particularly true of market researchers, when you know a lot about a, 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 a subject matter, an area, it's very hard to unlearn what you know. And in your communication, it's very hard to not appreciate that everybody doesn't know this. Now, Pinker in his book, The Sense of Style, he talks a lot about, he, he names and shames a number of areas. So one of those areas is academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, my business partner and I do a lot of work with academics. I particularly in business schools and so on, but she across a whole range, getting them to find and express the real world impact of their academic work. That's very important to funding bodies.
0: But it's scary as well. It's scary, but well, scary for them because if 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 the results come out that you know you are in this cocoon and you feel that there is a huge impact on your academic work and and often. Uh, if I may say, be a little bold, that it may not have any impact on the academic world. So it may not. Yeah. It, it, it may not. But but as I say, we 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 do we do we do a lot of work with them. But but so
1: Pinker points the thing is that academics are the worst, the single worst at using jargon. So you know, it's no surprise for you for 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 for, for me to say that when you're using data and statistics, you need to you need to kind of keep it simple yet smart. You need to use very simple language particularly if there's if there's a data rich part of the story that you're telling. Use simple language. I mean, it is perfectly possible. There are algorithms that you can that are available online where you can take the text that you write and you can analyze that, and you can see how many years of edu- continuous education you would need to have passed through in order to be able to understand it at first right. reading. Yeah. And what you want to aim for...
0: Like headline analyzers. And exactly, yeah. exactly, absolutely. Um,
1: but you can do this for the whole text. Yeah. I write a lot for my clients, and mm-hmm. I run all of the stuff I put. What you want to aim for is about just the end of primary school, beginning yeah. of secondary school, three. 10, 11,
0: right? I thought it was five, three or five or something. That's score is considered yeah, a
1: good... Yeah. It, dep- it depends on the, on the algorithm. Right. But, but if you're using data, and uh, and a lot of people find numbers challenging. If you're using data, it's really really important that your language is simple and comprehensible. So you know the objective of creating clarity uh, uh, in your work, I think, is is really important. But the curse of knowledge. So we have academics, we have. Um, uh, people who work in finance. Uh, some people argue that the entire legal profession exists because people are able to confuse you yeah. using um, Latin or well, Latin words and and technical terms, um, technical areas, scientists all of these who have great stories to tell about uh, new heart pacemakers or or i'm working with a with a company that's doing um, some work in recycling of of previously unrecyclable products like tires and so on amazing gosh isn't that extraordinary that you're able to to recycle things that have been so polluting if you don't talk about the human benefits um, I mean, I, I, another area. There's a lot of talk about kind of corporate and brand purpose these days. A lot of talk about about sustainability and what sustainability means. You know, if sustainability means that 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 um, people in more developed parts of the world are benefiting from raw materials grown in less developed parts of the world, I've done lots of work, for example, um, uh, with Lipton in Africa and, and and in the Indian subcontinent. It can't just be about creating a greener cup of tea, it needs to be about Providing social benefit to the growing areas and economic benefit to the growing areas, but then you kind of think about win-win-win. You've got this amazing opportunity that it's not about exploitation anymore. You know, we're kind of post-colonial, but there are too many businesses that, and particularly maybe in the palm oil area um, in Indonesia and so on, where where that message just hasn't quite yet got through to their Swiss or German or or North American headquarters. Um, and I think that there's a there's a real risk there if you don't understand that, if you don't understand the type of human stories you need to tell. But also, if you, if you aren't aware of this curse of knowledge, if you think, if I just put one of my scientists in his or her white coats in front of the media, we'll be fine. No, you won't be fine. You need to tell human stories and engage people properly. Get them to understand at an emotional level and then support those stories with the rational underpinning
0: wow there's that's, that's that's so much to learn but i really wanted to ask you one question because you you snipped over it uh, quite a few times during our conversation but which are your best books which apart from the one of course that you've written uh, which are the ones you recommend uh, people should read about you know you, you you're i've seen that your your reading spans from aristotle and plato to storytelling to data to philosophy so uh, Give us a few recommendations of the best books that you that you would like people to read apart from your own. Okay, well that's very kind. Um, so, I mean... Let's start with your book, the, 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 the complete title and, and uh, you know... So the, so,
1: the, so, the, so the, there's one, the, there's the first which is Narrative by Numbers, How to Tell Powerful and Purposeful Stories with Data. Um, available worldwide from Routledge. I'm, I'm following that up this year with another book on Insight, How to be Insightful, actually it'll be out next year. Um, it's a logical sequel. I think the third book will probably be about, be about strategy, but those are in the future. Um, Uh, the best data visualizer, and I think data storyteller possibly that there's ever been, uh, sadly died a couple of years ago. It's a man called Hans Rosling. Um, Hans Rosling was a very impish Swedish public health Uh, Guy who was able to visualize six or seven dimensions in just two dimensions through um, some software he created and then sold to Google in the late 2000s called Gapminder. Now, there is a thing called the Gapminder Foundation that Rosling's son and his daughter-in-law still run. They published last year a book called Factfulness. Factfulness is a book that looks at actually the very positive stories there are in public health around the world um, and they visualize and talk about the way that advances are being made and talk about how to talk about them, how to use data to talk about public health. Um, and that book, I mean that book, Bill Gates last year bought a copy of that book, a physical copy of that book to everybody graduating from a North American University. I think that's an extraordinarily brilliant thing to, for him to have done because Actually, being able to call on whether data is being used intelligently, honestly or not, which is at the heart of this book, Factfulness, is a really important skill. I don't think there are many places in the world that teach that. So I think Factfulness is is, is one of my favourites. Um, Robert McKee, this Hollywood scriptwriter's story. If you want to know how to tell a story, Robert McKee's story is a really good one. Uh, I've also mentioned him in the context of a couple of his books already, um, Dan Pink. He's just, at uh, the beginning of last year, just published a book called When. And When is... Dan Pink, he's, he's a bit like a kind of Malcolm Gladwell figure, and, you know, anything by Gladwell is, is clearly worth reading. Um, uh, but Malcolm Gladwell... Uh, but, 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 but he's a bit let would say he's lower grade, he's, he's less academic, he's more practical, but when shows you when during the day you should do things based on what psychology, sociology, economics uh, tells you. And what is interesting, I think, particularly interesting, lots of interesting things about this book, okay, one of them, two tips in that book, one is to have a nappuccino. So a nappuccino is, you know, we have a natural biorhythmic dip after lunchtime, typically, right owls and larks happens different times but and that so what to do you know often you've had a sandwich you have a bit of a yawn you want to go to sleep um, after lunchtime. it's a it's familiar to many many people what pink recommends and what the science shows in this in this in this book is that caffeine takes about 25 minutes to hit so have a double espresso put on an eye mask put on some noise cancelling headphones lie down set an alarm for 25 minutes because you probably won't fall asleep when you start doing this but actually, you may well just be so relaxed so that when you wake up or when your alarm goes off after 25 minutes, you haven't allowed yourself to go into deep sleep, but also the caffeine has just kicked in because that's how long it takes to kick in. So you fly through the rest of the day. Well, it, it really works. The, 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 the other thing that he talks about is the, the, the natural biorhythm, biorhythm of the day. Most people in office environments around the world, spend, well, they start on their emails and they may never get beyond them, right? Um, that is the time you should be doing your creative writing work. Uh, when you when you kind of peak before lunchtime and you're in a recovery period, that's when you should do your emails. And then when you're kind of recovering later on, he shows quite clearly um, that's when you should do your insight work when you're slightly f- when your mind is slightly freer. So Dan Pink's great, um, Robin McKeigh great. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about books. I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a book bore, um, but I think you know I think I think that um, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be learned from books. As I say, actually there's a, there's a, on data visualization there's a, a woman called Cole Nussbaum and She's a former Googler. She's got a book called Storytelling with Data, and it to be fair, it's not much about storytelling. She talks a bit about Aristotle, she talks a bit about story structure, but what she's brilliant at is how to present a chart. And um, I've not come across a better book on how to strip irrelevant information out, how to use just maybe on a slide, just a big number, present it in a big font, and then to to how to how to how to, how to use data in a visual way that really gets people to pay attention to it she's a she's a and she's a she's a former googler so she comes with a great heritage um she's a great trainer um uh, her courses i haven't been on one of her courses but i've i've experienced them online um and they're they're, they're really good so that's a there's
0: a there's a half a dozen books for your for your wow. listeners so uh, i mean we could go on and on i don't know i don't know where to stop and uh, you know i, I even though we have crossed the uh, the standard time for our podcast uh, i i didn't want to stop because uh, there's so much of learning uh, in in every Minute that you speak, but uh, you know we have to stop somewhere. And I think the rest of the listeners will be able to get more out of your book and uh, uh, probably following your podcasts uh, uh, and uh, you know the the, the 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 various ways in which you are online. So, uh, but thank you so much, Sam, uh, for taking out the time. And it was so much of a learning. It's one of my best podcasts ever, uh, and I'll say this on record. And uh, so, thank you so much. And uh, it was brilliant talking to you. What a huge pleasure! Thank you too. Thank Stay connected with the podcast on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Reach out to us at atharva.markom@gmail.com at gmail.com or follow us at thebcma.info. See you next time. May the force of branded content continue to change your world.